Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome, you're listening to Following On County Cricketer from TalkSport and The Cricketer. We are your one-stop shop for all things county cricket. Every Wednesday in your podcast feed, please subscribe and review us at Following On. Then on Thursday and Friday on TalkSport 2, myself, John Norman, two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison, as well as two of the finest scribes in the business, George DeBell and Nick Friend from The Cricketer, will discuss and sometimes argue about the big stories affecting the game. We will run our eye on all the action in both divisions of the county championship and keep tabs on our nominated players of the season. And it was quite the opening week, which saw title hopefuls Hampshire get off to a winning start. Defending champions Surrey rely on deep batting depth to get out of trouble and into a strong position before the pitch won out in a draw with Lancashire. Middlesex got off to the worst possible start to life in Division 1, and Yorkshire dominates, only to falter at the last to a team that hasn't won at Headingley in over 100 years. There was plenty more going on across both divisions, so plenty to talk about today. You're listening to Following On, County Cricketer. Well, it certainly feels terrific to be able to look forward to the next 40 minutes or so where we can talk just about cricket. It's been uh, quite some time the game has been embroiled by uh, two far too many off-field shenanigans uh, for any of our likings. And so uh, I think we can all sit back and look forward uh, to the next uh, 40 minutes or so. But before we do that, there is one story that we do need to, to speak about. The um, We may mention a bit last week, didn't we, guys? The fact that, that uh, there was a report that was taking place that was looking into the uh, the finances in and around the 100. And it was widely reported last week by George DeBell, among others, that the 100 had made a loss of £9 million in its first two years. That's according to the report, 120-page report. Uh, Fellows here, uh, chairman of Worcestershire, had a little look at it. Uh, George DeBell, you you actually messaged me the day that you got uh, handed the report. It was quite dense, but you've studied it. You've had a week to look at it. You, of course, wrote about it in The Cricketer. Quick question, though. I mean, £9 million a year or £9 million over the first two years. But from what I was hearing, you know, blast sales, ticket sales have been somewhat sluggish. So I just wonder if it has also, you know, factored in the money that has been lost to the game in the T20 competition within that headline figure of the £9 million deficit so far. No, it's a really good point. And it's not just T20 either, it's 50 over competition. The lack of interest from sponsors as well. So no, just going to pick you up on the nine million figure. It's nine million if we exclude the payments to counties of the MCC. If you include those, the hundred has so far lost fifty-eight million pounds. That's um, which it's quite a it's quite an important distinction. Yeah, it's quite a lot of money. Bear, bear in mind, 
what, what did Tom Harrison say? It was going to be a cash generator or something like that. Uh, and, it, and it's certainly not that. It actually doesn't include a few other costs as well. You know, they're still unable to get to the to the bottom of how costs, you know, all departments deal with some issues in, in cricket. But what proportion of time of, say, the comms department has been spent on the 100? That's quite hard to break down. And in the end, he didn't try to do that. Look, and, and the report's not just about the 100. I think one of the quite staggering conclusions was that something like 45% of costs at the ECB were actually allocated clearly. That means we only know, we know what they're doing with less than half the money they spend. That's pretty incredible, isn't it, for a national governing body? So I think it was a bit of a wake-up call, really. Uh, and I think that um, the current ECB management will welcome it and they will look to be clearer and more accountable in the future. I really do think that. How much did the county game cost? I mean, for fairness sake, did the county game not cost the ECB a lot of money as well? Does it not continue to cost the ECB a lot of money? If you were to write... You know, the ECB is, uh, is the counties, isn't it? Yes, of course it does. I mean, traditionally it's been around a third of the income. The, the distributions to the counties haven't gone up as much uh, as other areas. The big area that went up was central costs, the administration of the game itself. That increased hugely. The headcount increased hugely. I'm sorry, I don't have the figures directly to hand, but I'll find them at, uh, if you like. But yes, I mean, obviously, the county game takes money to run. Good luck having an England side without it, though. The only concern on that, George, was we've always known the county game has cost us a few quid. We've always known that the ECB's central pot has paid for county cricket. I don't think there's ever going to be any arguments or questions about that. For me, what you said earlier, Tom Harrison said to us, this 100 competition is going to be a, a, a tool that's going to make money and make county crickets, put more money in county cricket's pocket. And I've been a big, big knocker of, of the 100. The ECB don't particularly like what I say on the cricket collective about the 100. If it was losing money and it was a great product and I thought in five, ten years' time, this is going to get better, it's going to be the, you know, the old singing, old dancing around the world, everybody wants to play in it, then I'd put up with losing £9 million a year, £10 million a year to get to that point. But I don't think this competition is getting, going to get any better. I don't think this competition is going to make money because when I look at the product, players don't know how to play it. Players don't seem to enjoy wanting to play it. Some of our biggest stars have pulled out of it in the two years it's been happening. And I don't see this competition getting any better unless it turn it into a 2020 competition. So I think a lot of people would put up that if the, if the losing money with the product getting better. But at this minute in time, I'm still sitting on the negative fence of the 100 being the competition that we didn't really need, don't really want. And I think the figures that have come about Really, have, have proved that it's it's not really fit for purpose. County cricket well, has all cost money. I do agree with all that, actually. But at the same time, I guess we we have to acknowledge that lots of competitions don't necessarily make money at the start of their lifetime. The IPL, I suppose, uh, the Big Bash being a really obvious example. But that doesn't mean they're unsuccessful. The Big Bash was terrifically successful for a while in reengaging Australian people with cricket, uh, attracting crowds to the game. And I think he could do it again. I think they've ruined it a bit, but it, you know they've got a lot going for them with that competition, potentially anyway. So it wasn't always all about money. And the ECB would also argue, you know, there was this sort of private equity offer. I can't remember what it was, 300 million for 75%, was it? So you could argue that there's some value inherent in the competition there. I, I can't see a positive uh, on balance for private equity in cricket. That's not to say there isn't one, it's just I can't see one yet. It might be that more intelligent people than me can point out what I'm getting wrong here. But I think it would be a huge mistake, you know, to sell August, uh, which is which it seems to be uh, what has been talked about. So I think that the important thing to say is it doesn't matter necessarily that it's losing money, but at least we now have some facts and figures so we can make some more informed decisions. Because at the moment... Um, well, until now, it feels like we've been lied to. You know, we've been told it's making money and it's brilliantly successful. And I think most of us agree it's been brilliantly successful for the women's competition 
and there's almost nothing in the men's competition that couldn't have been replicated by a T20 tournament. No, that's okay, but but at least we have some facts and figures from which we can base more knowledgeable arguments from now on, and that's, and that's a valuable thing that he's done. I'm on the point of the women's game as well. The, the success of the women's comp, while being a happy accident, slash, in the sense that actually the doubleheaders and player test grounds are with the results of COVID operational changes rather than any sort of original brainchild, I, I would say that the, the success of the women's comp has to an extent depended on the uh, tie-up with the men's comp. I think one of the big attractions for the female players, particularly at the start, was the opportunity to be directly aligned to a, you know, to Joe Root's team, for example, rather than being, well, you know, as, as they were in the Kia Super League, sort of Loughborough Lightning, which was frankly nothing to, to the men's game. And then if we do look further down the line of what the WPL's done, you know, for example, Izzy Wong, Izzy Wong doesn't take out trick in WPL without the 100 because really there was no massive platform for Izzy Wong to go to from playing in front of what, you know, a few hundred people at home from on KSL finals day to play in front of 40 or thousand people in Mumbai. So actually what, what, what it has done for this game is like, I mean, it's, it's been thrown out there as, as a line, as they you know, the impact on this game. Actually, a lot of people who don't look at all these games so much but can understand its success to probably don't appreciate the extent of that and what quite well that looks like. You know, you've had players in the past making their England debuts at county grounds, having played in front of, I don't know, 5,000 people at Taunton, let's say, having previous week played in a park or a club ground in front of 10 people. So actually the difference, well, that's probably not 10 people, sorry, more than 10, but point being, women's county cricket wasn't all that much. And actually what you what you have now is a situation where you've got Alice Capsi playing in front of 15,000 people the Oval and suddenly her international tape is a bit underwhelming in front of 3,000 people at home. So it then, then, and then means that Alice Capsi is an 18-year-old who goes off for WPL and is completely at home and is used to the crowds. And actually what it has done holistically as much as the money which actually needs to be improved hugely on the on the back of WPL this year I mean I think Ash Gardner made I think 11 times the amount that she'll make in the 100 as top bracket player through the ideal in India but the, the overarching point I think is that when people say yeah it's helped the women's game it genuinely has transformed the women's game in a way that I don't think a lot of people understand when they you know when they hear that point thrown out there if that makes sense it really has been completely transformational actually the WPL does now challenge it to have to transform again or we will see as we are seeing this already actually and lots of the top players pulling out as we're seeing the men's comp obviously with uh, major league cricket as well so we've seen Henry Norkia and a few others uh, choose that which is an IPL bats competition with more money with more opportunity I guess direct opportunity for an IPL deal on the back of it so that's another issue but I mean talking on the back of what Harmi said there but yeah like the challenge of major league cricket and the growth of that over the next few years is another fascinating sort of cog in what happens next to the 100 for the men's comp because there is only more competition coming from other franchise comps. So we uh, get on to our moments of the week. Three moments. Uh, Nick, you were at arguably the moment. Certainly it seemed that uh, it was at the point. Four for four. Uh, no, it was carnage. It was. Explain. Tell us Tell us more. At one point there were six Middlesex names on the scorecard and they all had naught next to them. It was, it was really cool. Like... It sounds ridiculous to say, I don't think Middlesex did much wrong. Uh, Jamie Porter and Sam Cook and were just terrific. And I mean, in, in, in a game where really just actually, they're like Middlesex was behind seven runs, and their top three were seven for six over the course of the game. And so, in a really weird way, it was quite a close game. If you and there's a quality top three as well of Sam Robson, Mark Stoneman, Peter Milan, three Test cricketers. If they churn out what you would expect them to churn out on a normal days cricket against quality attack you'd probably end up with a tie or you know, a very a very tight you know close game of cricket it was it was really interesting to watch I mean the, the high score in the game was 266 Dan Lawrence made 105 of those and actually he probably had a very fair shout being a player of the match and, and that, that was the difference really between the sides but equally Jamie Porter took 9-9 for in the match having had a really pretty poor couple of years by stance or with injury and lack of real preparation opportunities because of that and but he's had a proper pre-season was out in Australia with Mick Lewis who's Essex bowling coach and don't think he bowled a bad ball he just hit he just ran up and he bowled at the stumps and he nipped it both ways I think for a bit of time and he, yeah they were four for four um, I think it was like 28 balls the first run off the bat those four runs are all no balls 47 balls before someone other than Max Holden had scored a run and at that point they were like 10 for four but yeah, honestly, 
they didn't do much wrong because actually it was it was really cool to watch like two guys who have been Horses case been around the England set up in Cook's case I think will be it was really really like high quality seam bowling on not a bad pitch honestly like it was brilliant to watch George what about you what was your moment of the week well I'm not sure it's as dramatic as that but uh, <laughs> I, I, I was at Emirates Old Trafford and saw Ben Folks be terrific I mean he obviously scored 100 I think I think, I think he scored 100 and a 75 so he, he batted very well albeit on, on, on a flat one but it was his keeping you know that made the difference and uh, Surrey's attack excellent though it is was struggling to make any breakthroughs and Keith Jennings was beginning to bat like he had a barn door and Folks noticed that he was standing a yard out of his ground to sort of negate the movement and also give him some freedom with leg before. And so Folks came up to the stumps, to the seamers, or certainly to Jordan Clark. Immediately, Keaton Jennings is pulled back to bat him in his crease. And almost immediately, he, I think he played on, actually. But it was exactly the sort of ball that he had been turning into the leg side for runs for hours. And it was just a little reminder of how folks could make a difference that I'm not sure other keepers can. We saw him do it, didn't we? Uh, standing up to Stuart Broad in the in the winter, which you don't see terribly often. And, uh, yeah, again, just a reminder that Ben Folks is a very special talent. None of those things will ever get shown up in a statistic. You know, we don't have the statistics to show how good keepers are, really. But he's special, and he can unlock or help unlock batting units on those flat conditions, I think he means that you go into a game generally needing to take 20 wickets rather than needing to take 25, which has sometimes been the case with England keepers. And I, I, it was just a reminder of what a very special player he was. And I, I, I hope that the England management take note because clearly his place is in some jeopardy. And I, I hope he's not the one who makes way. That's that 100 was it more than a better, better than a run of balls, wasn't it? Which was... But it all, I guess, it all counts. In, in the first innings um, one was actually better because it was under some pressure mm. and the pitch was still moving around. It, by the time he batted the second time, he batted very well. But it was a proper flatty. Um, so Josh Bohannon batted very well later in the game as well. But, you, you know, you'd have to take it with just a bit of a pitch assault. He, I mean, he was flawless. He did brilliantly. So I don't want to be churlish, but, but it was proper, proper slow and flat. But, yeah, I just, uh, I wondered because, you know, there's been these stories that England want Bairstow to be keeping at Yorkshire stories, which, by the way, the England management have, have denied. I don't think they have asked Yorkshire to give Bairstow the gloves. But obviously, that is one way that the uh, England selectors will be looking because they do seem terribly fond of Zach Crawley. Harm, we've only got a couple of minutes before the end of the break. We will, we will talk at more depth about some of the uh, items that we've just uh, mentioned later in the show. But what was your what was your moment of the week? Yeah, I was going to go, well, well George said, because like, the noises going into the first week of the season, all about Ben Folks and Johnny Bairstow, so Folks to get 100 was fantastic. But mine mine has to be, it has to be Leicester and Sussex. You know, between them, they won one game in the last couple of seasons. And they both win on the first day of the season against two top sides. Yeah, if, you, if we said... Who's our title contenders, Division 2? You know, we talked Yorkshire, we talked Durham. It was like Yorkshire bossed that whole game, apart from the fourth innings. It was it was all about Yorkshire, 500 in the first innings. You know, fair play to Leicester, they got they got their own big score in the first innings, 400 to stay in the game. It was Hanscom and Ackerman in the middle order of, um, of, of the fourth innings was huge. But no, it was... Um, Riyad Ahmed, he talked about Riyad Ahmed and he said, could have gone in, it could have had another night watchman. And Riyad Ahmed said, no, I'm going in. I want to go in. This is you know, my turn to bat. And he got 85 of 121 balls and passed the follow-on and managed to get Leicester in a position where they were still in the game. And he said, to go and chase just short of 400 was, was unbelievable. So for me, Leicester are my moments of the week. You know, closely followed by Sussex, because Paul Farber has told us pretty collective two weeks ago, he's going to Sussex not to produce players, not to improve youngsters. He's going to Sussex to teach them a winning mentality, trying to give them a winning mentality. And then gone and beat one of the contenders in Durham as well. And that was another good game of cricket. So 
for me, Leicester just pip it, going to going to win for the first time ahead of the I think since nineteen ten. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, we're going to have a little look at uh, all of the games uh, that took place in week one of the county championship. My moment of uh, the week was the fact that uh, Rory Burns was the first wicket to fall. I think it was at 17 minutes past uh, 11, if uh, Nick Friend's uh, tweet is correct. Uh, caught behind to a ball that he didn't touch, only to see Ollie Pope then given out LBW to a ball that he did. But there we go. That's one chip for each of my shoulders. Right, we're going to have a little look back at uh, Division 1, uh, Week 1 of the County Championship. Five games uh, to look at. Now, we've already kind of discussed the uh, the 48-pointer between Surrey and Lancashire. I'm not sure... Uh, there's too much more to talk about uh, in regard to that game. So let's uh, well, let's go to the top of the table. Hampshire beating Nottinghamshire. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, the second test match at Wellington when he looked at one stage with England needing about 10 runs to win that test match and New Zealand needed two wickets to win it, that they were actually going to call 10. Thankfully, common sense did prevail at the Basin Reserve. Less so at the Rose Bowl, where uh, Nottinghamshire and Hampshire went off the tee with Hampshire needing just one run to win. But when they did... Uh, they were right, though. The umpires were right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were. You had half and nothing out of the job, do it. Yeah, and what if it had then rained for a day and a half? I, I, I'm sorry, I, I know it looks ridiculous. Was it about to rain? Okay, well, if you could be in England, it's weather. Yeah. Go on there, make a living doing that, because no one can. I mean, it's not unheard yeah, of that it could have rained for quite a long time in April, is it? That fair is not going to eat itself either, to be fair. I'm going to defend the umpires on this one. I don't think it was that ridiculous. It could have been enough to be a draw. But Hampshire did what Hampshire had to do, really. Uh, one of three favourites for the title. And we've kind of we've kind of seen them win games in this like this, haven't we? In the, it, before, we're going to see them win games like this throughout the season. You feel, though, that if the weather... Is kind that they may get a bit more of a, a bit more of a test against Surrey at the Oval next week. Well, Surrey always Surrey always batter Hampshire at the Oval, don't they? Last two years certainly they've turned them over quick, pretty quickly. I mean, but it was interesting, wasn't it? Like the two promoted teams were two pretty solid, experienced batting lineups came up against two of the three or four best seam attacks in Div One in Essex and Hampshire, and were. Yeah, sort of comprehensively rolled, weren't they? I mean, I guess the different there are a lot of good, there are good teams in Div Two, there are good players in Div Two, but I guess what you get at the top of Div One, had those two teams certainly have been in the last few years, along with Surrey, obviously, is just sort of depth of quality, isn't it? Like you don't Hampshire start off with Barker and Abbas, and then once you're through those two, Kyle Abbott comes on, and once you know, once Porter and Cook have finished for Essex, Harmer comes on like there's there's no let up, is it? I think that was obviously Abbas's quality to no, I think it's hundred Hampshire in that match nine. Nine of the match, just as Ports to nine of the match of Laws and stuff you've not seen before, is it? I, I guess it was interesting. Like you look at those two lineups at Knotts and Middlesex, and you wouldn't say those top sevens are sort of you know signs of weakness. I mean, that was was it Slater, Hamid, and or Slater, Duckett, Hamid in the top three. You know, there won't be many better top threes than that in the you know, other circuit, which I guess shows how good the Hampshire tech is. And Clark at four, who is, yeah, I think. Mladen talked, Jams, talked about fine. playing for England as well. So yeah, I, I looked at that game and thought two very good bowling attack. You looked at the Knotts bowling attack as well. Great to see Ollie Stone playing first class cricket. Luke Fletcher this time of the year is handful. Um, and Patterson as well, who play who who was one of the the best bowlers in Div Two last year. So when you looked at that game on paper, you're thinking right, it's going to be about the batting unit. Can they withstand the, the barrage of you know good depth bowling and when you looked at the not side, you, you think they should have. England test opener, former England test opener, potential wannabe at number four for England in Clark. Whether We don't know what the pitch was like, but so it's a quality Hampshire attack, and we said it last week. They're going to be there or thereabouts, but still come back to the fact that Surrey's quality, the top of the order, with points to prove, especially at the start of the season, might could be the difference between Surrey, Hampshire, and Surrey, whoever wins the league. Yeah, and uh, we may mention of Ben Folks in the last uh, section. There is one other thing about Folks. It's a fa- it's a it's a funny old game saying, but if he hadn't picked out Neil Wagner at long leg, Folks, and won the game for England at base reserve, we're not talking about him missing that first test, are we? First yeah. Ashes test. I, I just constantly. Yeah, we are. It's Johnny Bairstow. We are. It's Johnny Bairstow. 
Johnny Besto's got to fit in somewhere, and if they're not going to drop Zach Crawley, the only place he fits in is with a glove. And they, if they're not going to drop Zach Crawley, Johnny Besto doesn't play in the first test. You don't play some hobby. I, 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 I basically, there's obviously a lot of truth in that, but why does only Pope not get mentioned? I mean, why has only Pope got a free pass? Because if something happens to Ben, if something happens to Ben Stokes's knee, Ollie Pope's captain. When something happens, when something happens to his knee, they've got the earmark him as a future England captain. They've got the former England captain, greatest player that we've ever produced, produced at number four. You know, Harry Brook. I think he's undroppable the way he's playing at the minute. Ben, Fo- oh, yeah. ben Stokes is captain, so if he doesn't go in first, the only spot that he comes in, I don't think he's broken legs and to help him open a bowling. So the only place he's going to come in is by keeping wicket. If he doesn't keep wicket, he doesn't. Where does he play? Doesn't play in the first test for me. If if it's not for Ben Fox, if Johnny doesn't want to open a bat, and we know, and I love Johnny Bairstow a bit, but when Johnny doesn't want to do something, he makes it blatantly obvious he's not going to do it. And he does not want to open the batting. He does not want to open the batting. We've seen him how he batted three. John, we covered on Talk Sport 2, the series in the Caribbean. Could have got London so for all time. Rob Key does not want to drop Zach Shrookley as well. I mean, he talks about him very passionately. He's, he, he is committed. He really believes in Zach Crawley. Well, when we talk about it, George, I've said this for two years on the Cricket Collective. I am not talking ill of Ben Stokes. I'm not talking as a former cricketer saying he's not very good. I'm not talking in a way that he shouldn't be playing. All I'm talking is the common sense way is that it's like having square pegs around holes. How do you fit your best seven batsmen into this group? Some would argue Ben Fox is a better option than Zach Crawley up front. So setting Ben Fox in it, bit number one if, if it's if it's not that way. But it's nothing against Ben Fox. I think he's a phenomenal cricketer. I think his talent is ridiculous when it comes to his hands. And he's improving every single day when he bats for England. But England have got to find a place for a bloke who scores best match hundreds, and that's Johnny. Well, let's see how Johnny is, first of all, because that injury is clearly quite something, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you're talking about Zach Crawley. We, we've got our player watch. Let's have a little mention of that, actually. It brings us quite nicely onto the North Ants Kent game, which for a lot of people would have been a, a bit of a... Well, if the, the Lancashire-Surrey game was a 48-pointer, so was Kent versus North Ants. Kent won it, and it was thanks to... Your man, George, <clears throat> player watch. It wasn't Zach Crawley who did score 90. It was Zach Crawley, though. He would have been hard to all out of the first innings. So Yeah, he scored 90-odd in the first innings, but it was Ben Compton who scored a century in the second to see them uh, to see them home. And we saw quite a few, again, this is the, the vagaries of the division. Day one across the country was bowler-friendly, wasn't it? We saw a lot of teams struggle early on, and then as the conditions eased, Batting got a lot easier, and we saw that in quite a few other games. Although, with, with, with that in mind, in fact, to shout because I feel like we mentioned everyone in the Surrey game apart from the one bloke who got 140 reds in the toughest batting conditions. And Andrew Gobas will jump them the hardest in only about, well, I guess, talking about Surrey's depth. Gab steals 140 odds for 175, having been put in on the first of the season, only playing because Will Jacks is injured. In the game with 12 full international quitters, was very possibly one of the performances of the week and also completely under massive of Alcide won their title last year with a load of sort of basically all-rounders. I mean, Dan Steele's a converted opener who's in the team as much for his leg is his batting. But um, but really interesting, actually, because Surrey are a batch of big-name players and homegrown players. And then you've got this guy who's sort of California-born, raised in Bath, who's basically signed. Played Washington, Washington, yeah. Played Washington, basically found our favourite Durham, went on to Hampshire for a game. Sort of first came to Surrey to sort of help out the Royal London stuff and and yeah now he's I mean he's, he you know and I spoke to him a couple of, a couple of days ago for a piece and he's very aware and very happy to say that he, you know when Will Jacks comes back he'll use his base Will Jacks but there is an enormous value in squad players and even probably now more so than ever in an era where you know you're always missing big players to to franchise clubs or England or international cricket so to have guys coming in who are very happy to miss games to you know, be that be that square peg in a round hole a lot of the time. Yeah, to come in, take a chance, make his first first class hundred for five years. Yeah, he has a proper attack as well. Is a serious effort, and as much as they didn't win the game, it very much set Surrey up for days two, three, and four as well. Okay, let's talk about the George de Bell derby. What was going on at Somerset, Warwickshire, George? <laughs> Not all that much. Well, it's it's obviously the weather's been very poor, and uh, they had struggled to prepare not so much the pitch but the playing surface. So. The reason I hadn't gone, actually, I think it was my Robinson mentioned earlier in the week, there's going to be trouble with that. 
with the pitch, you know, they're struggling to get it ready. So they, it actually could have been a lot worse. The, the entire first day was washed out despite it not raining. And then they started at noon or so on the second day, and there was a huge portion of the outfield. Uh, sadly, the, the straight, uh, the bit that's straight towards the old pavilion, I don't suppose they call it that anymore, where there's just no grass growth. So it was kind of muddy. So they did well to play. I thought they did really well to, to get a game on. I thought they, they saw the, the bigger picture. Could they have moved it to Warwickshire? There was a bit of talk about that. You know, it would have given Warwickshire lots of uh, away games at the end of the season. I know their groundsman was on holiday. and Why wouldn't he be? It's his last week off for six months or so. And they wouldn't have had much chance to notify their members. So it could yet be crucial because actually Warwickshire had a really good game. Uh, Davis got 100, Hayne got 100, so they got a bit of a first innings lead, and actually they they rocked Somerset a little bit in the second innings. I think they were six down and only a few ahead. So had there been another day, uh, Warwickshire would have been in a very good position to to push on towards victory, but you know who knows whether, how important that will look at the end of the season. But at the end of that game, Warwickshire would be much the more encouraged, I think, of those two sides. Interesting. We've probably out, not, obviously not being there, but it looked quite interesting because was two teams who'd done a fair bit of recruitment this winter. Some said obviously brought in Sean Dixon, Cam Bancroft, all of Cadmore, Gary Cadmore, and obviously. And but Warwickshire, I thought, looked like they've obviously stayed up by skin their teeth and some, but um, they look like they've recruited really interestingly. So it was quite, it was quite a weird side on paper, but in quite an intriguing way. Obviously, Hassan Ali, Chris Rushworth, both in Ed Barnard and that middle order, sort of filling that spot they really struggled with last year post Bresnan, and then that. Yeah, quite. I think as George, I think you wrote, you know, quite sort of homegrown top five. And sort Which of is top eight, to be fair. Cause yeah, well, Bethlehem eight, eight. is a lovely... Uh, uh, and they put him in sort of as the... I mean, he's kept Briggs out of the side. You know, I don't think Briggs' his knee is 100%, but I think he could have played. So, you know, Briggs is a good cricketer. I think already a year ago, he was back in an England squad, yeah? So, Bethel's the one they really rate, and he's 18 or 19, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and Sam Hayne has just become the perfect catch cricketer for them, hasn't he? Absolutely guaranteed to get runs in every format. He's a children. 63 plus, I think, the last 12 months. And you signed that. I'm just sitting in England, I'm going to pick, pick him. I mean, they're probably not, are they? Warwick's version of James Elders. Exactly. He, he is exactly that. He could have gone to Bangladesh. He could have gone to Bangladesh. England went, four, England went four out and out batters in Bangladesh. When the boy from Somerset yeah, pulled, pulled out. That was their chance to give just to have a look at him. Mm. They could have had a chance. They could have had a look at him. Yeah. For me, that was the one. He wasn't in a franchise system. He wasn't aware with anything other than Warwickshire on a pre-season tour. Ship him into Bangladesh, have a look at him because he's one of their records. His white ball record is excellent. So I think that was their chance. Now I think, not ship sail, but I think that... Not we- quite, not quite. But, mm. but he got yeah. the Lions in Sri Lanka as well. So and and like, this is as close as he can be. Things could move fast. Hey, Ollie Pope gets dropped. Ben Stokes isn't able to play. Who's England captain? Could be able. I'm, just, I'm not saying it will be. I'm just saying things can move pretty fast at times, particularly in the Lashes summer. We need to talk about Division 2, uh, and we will do so very shortly here on Falling On County Cricketer. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. We've done the County Championship Division 1 now to have a look at uh, Division 2. Four matches uh, to look at. Sussex beating Durham by two wickets. There was a draw between Gloucestershire and Glamorgan. Worcestershire beating Derbyshire by eight wickets. We'll have a little talk about that in section four. We've got a Q&A section and there was a question that came through to us on Twitter. So we'll uh, we'll discuss that then. But really, we've got to start with the match of the weekend. I mean, we are four days in, essentially, to the season. Already you can hear the moaning from Yorkshire after they went down to Leicestershire. As Harvey said earlier in the show, uh, Leicestershire's first win at Headingley since 1910. And uh, Paul Nixon the uh, Leicestershire coach, was on with Harmy and Neil Manthorpe on the Cricket Collective, which is available via the following on feed every Tuesday. And uh, he had this to say about a certain Ryan Omit. Prestigious talent. People still haven't seen his batting yet. I promise you, this this lad, he'll bat number five in one-day cricket for England. Four or five in one-day cricket for England. I've got no doubt. He Yes, he's got work to do. He's just come out of school. He's 18, 19 years old, you know. I mean... To be the youngest in all three formats for his country, it has to be special. Um, and he's going to have tough times. And and the stars did align, I think, with, I've mentioned in interviews, that other coaches, other captains wouldn't wouldn't have picked him for England at that particular time. But, well, Brendan saw him and Stokesy saw him. Uh, he's wonderful and, and and fair play to them. Paul Nixon on with, with uh, Neil Mather with Steve Harvey. Well, Harvey, I mean, that's, that was a big win for Leicestershire, wasn't it? And uh, already... On Twitter, I saw Goffey getting involved late last night. Um, there was a one Yorkshire fan moaning about short-term signings. It's not Yorkshire's fault that Neil Wagner picked up that injury. Uh, I think he was uh, in for a couple of months, but essentially they're already they're already grumbling. Uh, but where do you want to start with uh, with a wonderful win for Leicestershire or a bit of a painful defeat for Yorkshire? I don't think it was a painful defeat for Yorkshire. I thought that they controlled most of the game and just couldn't get. The twenty wickets in the end, and that people throw at me. That's how you win cricket matches. I looked at the Yorkshire side, and the one bowler short. They're a quick bowler short. Wagner gets injured. Fisher makes a huge difference in that game. Yorkshire win comfortably. If if they've got one more bowler in there, yeah. Look at the the bowling attack. They probably they've got a lot of all rounders of Yorkshire, um, but that one strike bowler they're probably missing, and that would have been Wagner. I'm not saying it would have been difference between winning and losing but I think that as a York, as a Yorkshire member yes they're always they're always unhappy they? they're always let's be fair they're always unhappy from the Western Terrace but I think gotta, gotta give a huge amount of credit for Leicester to go and chase just under 400 to win to win a cricket match well from Yorkshire's point of view a little bump in the road but they've got 500 first innings they've been shorter runs if they can get one of their quick bowlers back a Fisher or an overseas signing that can that yeah, can help then I think Yorkshire will be fine. No question whatsoever. But Goffey's got to stay off Twitter. Come on, Darren, please. Don't get involved. Don't need to get involved. You're better than he was, he was okay, though, wasn't he? I, I, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing, that 
the guy he, I think he had an argument with actually is quite constructive and reasonable. I've had quite a lot of interaction with Yorkshire supporters in recent months, and they're not all they're... Uh, like that. And, and I think the guy he chose to have a, a bit of a pop at was a, a good person feeling disappointed in their, their team, uh, which is completely reasonable. They have spent quite a lot of money on new bowlers. Ben Mike was wanted by lots of counties. That was top dollar Matt Mills. But they haven't bought in pace. They haven't actually got pace. They are still missing, you know, that sort of right side bottom figure or a gothy figure. And it's a precious asset. So uh, I can understand why people are very upset, but it is one game. Uh, and if you wanted to be churlish about Leicestershire, why would you? you? You would also point out that there weren't a load of Leicester boys in there, but that it was uh, the foundation of a performance which they can build and take some confidence from. So I don't think either side wants to be reading masses into it. Really encouraging right direction stuff from Leicester. Bit of a blow, but as Harvey says, they scored 500. They declared in the second inning to Yorkshire. It's not the end of the world. I know it's disappointing right now, but it just... And Goffey, you know, he's so good at being accountable. He has just gone to the AGM and answered every question. He will walk around the ground and talk to everyone who wants to talk to him. If he snaps a bit on Twitter, well, that's that's the guy he is. He is a heart on his sleeve, honest as you go kind of fellow. And there's a lot to like about that. So you know, I'd urge people to stick with him. And for both sides, it's it's not make a break for the season. That interesting. The hope was keeping wicket. I found that interesting. But for all the people who could have done, I think you know, I think they're paying quite a lot to people to keep wicket there. Look, there's still a recalibration maybe to be done at that club. There isn't a lot of pace. They were reliant on Neil Wagner, who I'm not sure had a lot of pace left. I know we've just seen him do interesting things, but he went to 11 and over or something in the first test, didn't he, about Mongadoui? You know you know what you get with, with Wagner, but he is getting old, and he has I, lost a yard. I would say, like, ben, you know, ben Mike actually is quite an interesting one, because he actually does have pace, but what was basically his role, what was interesting with Mike is that if Liam Norwell doesn't take nine foot, Mike joins Yorkshire in Division 1, goes up a gear from where he was at Leicester and actually ends up as a former Leicester bowler watching his new team lose to his old team in, in Division 2. So it's probably a fair mistake in Primit. Though I thought the most interesting bit was Peter Hanscom. He's on, to, he's on to his fifth county now, Yorkshire being one of them. He scored 500 runs in 21 innings for Middlesex over two years. And he's already more than a third of the way past that with with Leicester. A lot of people, I mean, obviously it was late Sunday after Abdullah Shafiq pulled out, but he would have looked quite underwhelming for a lot, mainly because of his record at Middlesex. And but he's obviously got on ashes. I mean, talk about guys with stuff to prove. He's him and Marcus Harris will score a ton for for Gloss. They know what it looks like if they come over as Aussies. Have a couple of months here ahead of an Ashes series, and they might just you know leapfrog a couple of guys. And then yes, yeah, so he was 180 for one in the match. I think kept wicket as well. That was the uh, interesting thing for me, Nick. He kept wicket. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one for the Ashes. The other one for them actually. He's and Rishi Patel who. I think he's a 24-year-old, the last year of his contract, who actually spent most a lot of his winter in Mumbai batting against spin. So he was 100 by lamping Don Bess into, into one of the, the, the Western Terrace for six. I mean, he, he's had a lot of talent. I think he was well liked to Essex as well. I mean, yeah, and he was over the batting with sole manager. He was actually the, the, one of the guys we talked about, I think, last week as sort of a potential baseballer, as it were. And they were 80, for, 80 after 17 overs, I think, in their run chase, which... I suspect, so went some way to helping them chase that, just sort of the positive intent from the start. And I think it was Patel's maiden first-class time as well. So there's a lot of talk of years there about how Leicester get, have to improve and are going to improve. And if that's the start of it, then a pretty spe- special way to, to do it, I guess. Uh, let's talk about Durham. 200 for one in first innings and uh, managed to uh, managed to lose the game. Uh, Chesh Bajara speaking during the week, thanking Sussex for uh, uh, enabling him to show the form that got himself back into the India side. But yeah, that was a. That, oh, it was another good game. That was it. I mean, there was there was two or three absolutely cracking games this week, and unfortunately, your your boys came off uh, came off the losers in a in a close one, Harley. They did, yeah. But it's encouraging for me a little bit, like from a Yorkshire point of view. When you know, George spoke well about Goffey there and the, the passion that he shows. Ryan Campbell wants to try and win cricket matches for for Durham, and I think Durham have tried everything possibly could to win that game. Taking it batting cost them um, and they've gone they've gone down for me to a, a very good Sussex side this this Sussex side are a decent side they're a year older the final 
ticking a box from a Fabri point, Fabri's point of view, was making Pajara captain, taking all the responsibilities away from the young young lads, um, and you know being learned off one of the very very best. And Pajara, first game as captain, there was no doubt he was going to get runs. And from a bowling point of view, Durham probably could you would think that a bit better. Um, I would expect a bit better. You know, Potts didn't get too many wickets. We didn't see, you know, we seen a little bit of a, a glimpse of of cast, but I think when you come up against a a good batter like Bujara, uh, sometimes you have what you have to get off and say well played. And I think Sussex, as well as Durham, made for a decent game of cricket. And I've got no doubt Durham will be near the top of that second division. But if Sussex can build on what they've just started from, they could be as well with the exciting young players they've got. And if Bujara's Pajara's captaincy is going to get him even more runs, then uh, they'll they'll have a great chance of staying in games. He's your perfect role model pro, isn't he? He's just what you want in, in, in every way. You're a class player, class individual, someone to learn from. Look, at this time of year, you do get some odd surfaces. You get surfaces that die. You know, they might start very helpful, but they die in a, and become feather beds in a really, in a way that doesn't necessarily show the best players at their best. So, you know, I noticed, for example, that Moraine, who's obviously a good cricketer, I'm not saying he isn't, but he's a good cricketer, uh, maybe looked more dangerous than Carson Potts. And is he? He's not really, is he? You know, if it, I mean, who's going to play for England? It's going to be the other two, isn't it? With the extra pace and stuff. And sometimes pace works to the detriment of, of bowlers unless they're absolutely on top of the game and really, really tight with it. And I, I that happened a little bit in that game, maybe. It maybe happened a bit across the country. And it does happen when you start very early summer and the pitches. Well, there's been no it's no criticism at all of ground staff. Uh, there's just been no sunshine. And so surfaces die a little bit. And, uh, you know, you've got to be so careful about reading too much into performances at this time of year. I think would, to, just to continue on from that, George, the the point from the, the quick bowlers like Bots and Cars, the difference between... You know, somewhere like Ben Red, is that when the wickets get flatter, you need the likes of, of Potts and Cars. And we talked last week, yeah. and I think it's a point that needs to be made. We talked last week about the draw and the, the points difference from last year to this year. And are we going to get pitches which are going to do a little bit more and not encourage captains to pick the 18 year old wild child like Steve Armisen in 1998? Or do you pick somewhere that bowls 78 mile an hour that can hit a certain, you know, at the top of the stumps? These are all things that come into that. And, you know, you've got to have a little bit of everything. And as the pitches get flatter, um, you are going to need your pace bowlers. And it also takes them a little bit longer to get uh, tuned in to these surfaces as well. At this time of the year, batters like pace because they're not frightened of it because the ball's not, you know, it's not flying through as quick as what it would be in June and July. So I, I do get that. And it'll be interesting to see how these pitches go and, I think it was a couple of years ago, last year and the year before, some of the best pitches that were played on all year were the first two rounds of county championship games because ground staff, I know Warwickshire's groundsman's gone on holiday, but he's prepared a pitch. He's had six months to prepare his first pitch. Ground staff have had six months to get their opening game ready. And in the last few years, they've been some of the best pitches that have been produced. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We've got plenty more to talk about here on Fonnell County Cricket, sir. Uh, we will be talking about Derbyshire versus Worcestershire, but we should make note of Gloucestershire, who uh, hit 560-odd in second innings uh, to save the game against uh, Glamorgan. Well, let's just have a quick look at what's on store on the Cricketer, uh, which has launched online membership across the app and browser in time for the new domestic season. Um, I see you won another award, guys, by the way. Is that five years in a row? The domestic Was it domestic coverage? Um, it is indeed. It is indeed. true field. Outstanding online coverage of domestic cricket award at the ECB Domestic Journalism Awards for the fifth year in a row. So congratulations to that. But I should also make mention that readers can now sign up to an online all the online content for just £3.99 per month by going to www.thecricketer.com forward slash digital subs. And you can also sign up to a free account to access five members-only articles each month. And you've written a piece about uh, cameras still that I was reading this week. Nick, uh, what else is on st- in store uh, over the next... Hey, you give us a sneak peek. What have you, what have you up to? You always seem to be writing a long piece. Um, there's plenty on the website. There's plenty of scarf the last... Yeah, and certainly around the start of the season. 
you know, so there's that piece with Cam Steele. There's also stuff with Jamie Porter in the aftermath that Game of Lords. There is some stuff from Mickey, Ar- Mickey Arthur, who's promised not to lose another game this season in the aftermath too, which is bold after a defeat on the opening day. But he's <laughs> he's gone with that. No, there's I mean there's loads. I mean, I I wrote a long piece just before the start of the season about the what I call the winter playground, sort of what um, pace where everyone got up to in the off the county circuit for winter all over the world from sort of Miami through to Adelaide and various comps and franchise stuff and great cricket, etc. And all sorts. George has George been busy, but George's been busy for busy magazine stuff as well. You know, cricket doesn't stop, does it? And had no. They all that which is about writing for us as well, which is always a treat when the when the summer comes around. Yeah, so as as you've said, sort of do get involved, do um do subscribe and say that there's five free, five free articles a month. If you want to have a look, and yeah, and from there, there's a really nice month to for the for the digital subs, um, which is yeah for every trade that that we do. Um, shall we have a little look at some of the questions that have come through today, Dave? I'll, I'll aim this one in your direction, George. Uh, Dave Stubland, because we haven't spoken about uh, the Derbyshire Worcestershire game. Uh, Jake Libby with another hundred. If he was playing for a side based in the south of England, how many Test caps would he have by now? Like Ben Compton. I mean, it, I, 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 he doesn't really mean that question, does he? I mean, Ben Compton obviously is playing for a side in the south and he's not getting many caps. And Ben Duckett uh, is playing for Nottinghamshire and before that, Northampton. And I reckon both of those. Northampton's north of Worcester. I reckon it is just. But Nottingham certainly is. So I don't think that makes a lot of sense, really. Look, Libby's a really good, solid player, but are you honestly saying that he should be opening in the ashes against that Australian attack? Well, no, actually, that's a genuine question. I'd be really interested to know if you think he's that's the way to go. I don't think he'd let him down, but I don't think that's the answer. Nothing against Jeg Levy, but but we're talking about trying to get Johnny Bairstow into an England team. I'm not sure Jeg Levy's, and for all the well in the world, Jake Levy's a fine player, but trying to trying to get that one past is very difficult at this minute in time because we're trying I to guess get he means. I guess he means would he score more runs than Zach Crawley? And he might well. To be fair, if that's what you mean, I'd probably agree with you. I mean, I like Zach Crawley, but that it just looks too loose to me at the moment. Okay, we're going to zip zip through these. Top Man says, do you agree that uh, playing county championship games in the first week of April is the surest way of killing off the competition for good? Uh, Nick? Uh, no, no, I don't. I think we've touched on this episode. I think you get, I think you often get better pitches. Obviously, no, we've got a very wet, yeah, we had a very wet March. Sure, we've had a very wet April so far, but Last year, frankly, some of the best weather of the whole summer was March into April, as was the case in the COVID year, actually. And it might just be that this is the way that, you know, things are going to be going forward. So, you know, and actually, if you've got, I mean, I mean, geez, I mean, the weather for the last week was pretty nice. I think what, you know, when we lost a bit of play on day one and we lost a day to play at Taunton where the outfield was damp. But otherwise, I don't think we lost any cricket. The summer's out most of the time. Teams scored 500 fast bowlers took wickets. Um, Jack Leach took four weeks of sunset. You know, it, it, yeah, it's cold, sure, like it's cold. But but actually, last July was probably the wettest part of the summer we had. So, is putting Cap Championship cricket in July 2022 the, the surest way of it changed every year, isn't it? I mean, you get this argument every year. I don't. I've never understood it. No, <laughs> Look, I, I agree with. That. And also, I'm just... the first. The first test is on June first. You know, what are you saying? Should we not play any Championship cricket until June, July? By which point, everyone be undercooked. So, not playing again. And I think we all understand the sentiment behind the question. But honestly, by the time April comes around, I'll be just pleased they're playing again. I'm just so pleased it's coming. I, I, I love it. I, I love it. You know, people say there's too much cricket. I'm the geek who watches it all. I yeah. love it. I, I also think the margins of the summer, there's a, you know, which becomes sort of this like taboo way of describing the championship. I honestly think <laughs> April, May, September are often the best time to play cricket. Yeah, sure, you get rain. Like it rains about that. Well, no, but in terms of the way, in terms of the way the pitches often play, the way the pitches often play, the way the, the, the weather we've had in the last couple of years in those in those parts of summer, you you get pretty decent stretches of cricket. Whereas we used so to last summer, you the, get you get great cricket all year round because it's a ter- it's the best of games. You know, I'm a big fan of it. But the point I think is about the margins of the season that you don't necessarily get uh, conditions to replicate international cricket. For, for county players, I mean, you, you understand this. Well, not you could play you could play county cricket in the middle of July, and you would not replicate Perth, like or or Ahmedabad or 
you know, like it's just no, but those just are where we are. Those are extremes. They are, they are. But but you know, why are so many Australians coming over here early, early, early summer to prepare to play the Ashes in England? Like, yeah, sure, you can't, you can't replicate anything exactly. But but ultimately, the way it is, it means that England players have played. Well, you know, the England players have made available to play however many games, six to five, six, seven games to their counties before you go into the before you go to the Ireland Test and the Ashes. And if we started everything a month later, everyone would be moaning because we'd have three weeks before the Ashes started. Yeah. It's exactly, don't we? Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm going to zip through. There's a message from Stephen Kilby, which actually I'm going to push forward to next week because I think it's quite an interesting one. He says, hugely encouraged by the improvements in streaming from the counties for the county championship games. What can they do to ensure that the crowds at Grails grow rather than continue to shrink with this new level of armchair accessibility? Thanks. But let's hold on that because I think there's quite quite a big discussion to be made about that point, which actually I hadn't really thought about but also the way that uh, the counties are going about the streaming. And Dick Emery, he has three questions. Will Leicester should be able to build on their impressive win against Yorkshire? I think we kind of covered that a little bit. Did the panel see signs of basketball affecting the championship? Again, maybe a little bit too early. Uh, which I didn't. My, I'm just really, I was really pleased with my call. I think everything else, I think what I said last week sort of came to roost. The individuals for whom it made sense, you know, went that way. The likes of Ben Firm, second names at Old Trafford. Dan Lawrence in, in little Dan Lawrence spoke really interestingly about it actually after his hundred and how he was basically picking his moment to gamble that on knocking bolts off their length. He plays in this round. Alex Lee did this. Alex Lee, Saul Budinger, guys who have the so it was a mixture of guys who are rather close or I know what they need to do. Leans, Lawrence, folks, Duckett as well for not got ball fifty odds. And then guys like yeah, so mentioned Budinger a few times, um Ed Pollock started fast for Worcester, guys who naturally are that way inclined. You know, scored pretty quickly, and then uh, Billy Gottman in both of these actually freed up, not didn't have the captaincy anymore, and yeah, just sort of played with that almost like free, yeah, I guess that freedom of. Um, but then equally, we didn't see any rash declarations. I saw Ryan Campbell talking this morning about well, how he'd put it to the Durham team after day one, they could declare at, at the close, but it's it's very early days, and you know, do you want to? I mean, I thought Yorkshire's declaration was actually quite. I thought it was quite tentative. Actually, I thought they might have declared overnight. Uh, as well, they've lost by, they've lost well over I thought we saw bits and bobs, but more on an individual basis than collectively. Okay, we've got about a minute left, guys. His third question was: Which players particularly caught the eye in the first round of games? Well, my player uh, watcher is Jamie Smith. I thought he batted pretty well, actually. We mentioned Cameron Steele. We mentioned Ben Folks. Didn't score as many runs as those, but um, he certainly weighed in with a useful little uh, little knock. Sorry, we're four down. Um, and struggling when he was batting. But uh, what about the other, you other three? Harmy, your players, on. how do they do this week? I think my player that I'm happy that he's got runs in this game, this round of championship, was Dan Lawrence. I wouldn't say he's had a rough hand, but he's he's been in and around the England squad. He needs performances. They keep knocking on that door. And first game of the season, it's great to get runs. And Dan did that. So he is the type of cricketer that England want to play Possibly multi-format, but definitely in test matches if a spot of an injury comes in that middle order because he's proactive, he's very aggressive, and he's always looking to push the scoreboard on. Suits Dokes and McCobb. So to see Dan get runs, I was very, very happy with. My player watch was that, uh, Brian Cost. Bowler star, but bit later, probably didn't have the game he would enjoy, but he's fit, he's bowling, and hopefully his season will get better. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for your time, Harmy. We'll be back and uh, see you next week on the Cricket Collective and then following on County Cricketer. George DeBell, what about your player watch? Who did you mention last week and how do they fare this? Well, Ben Compton obviously did quite well. I think I mentioned Josh Tung as well, who, who I, I, I looked up his first 50 overs and got for 100 or so. Maybe I thought, oh, another astute one there, but he'll be okay. Um, yeah, and it was nice to see, as I say, Zach Crawley uh, get a fiver and get a couple of screens. Zach Chapel, I'm an idiot. Um, get two forty fives or so, and um, and uh, a fiver because um, he he's got a lot going for him as a potential fast bowler who can bat. I, I think he's a, a modest guy who doesn't realise how good he is. And uh, what about you, Nick? To finish up, uh, Ali Hall got run out, back it up for the second innings in a row. Um, which was a good way to start. Um, but he did still have time to whack Ben Rayner for separate six. And I, I all do a lot of that this year. And Tom Price, uh, in a game where there were a lot of runs, at Morgan took 450, two for 20, 50 reds, 25 reds. Serious cricketer. I'm very pleased by picks. 
You're, you're pleased with how you went last week, aren't you? you... Well, I mean, Ali and yeah, I mean, or Ali or I mean, he was set. He was set as well. Well, you called the basketball thing, so we'll, we'll see if you're uh, you look back at week two with as much pride. Uh, guys, thanks for your time and uh, thank you for listening. Following the County Cricket Series is available on the following on podcast feed and will be broadcast uh, on TalkSport 2 at 10am on Thursday and Friday ahead of uh, week two of the County Championship. Thanks for joining us here on the show. Get your questions in as well. We will seek to answer as many as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.